Would you pray with me? Holy One, we are here. We are listening, hoping to hear your words afresh. Speak words of life to our weary souls. Amen. What is faith? I'm serious. What is faith? I want you to take 30 seconds and think about what is faith. And when you get your answer, I want you to write it either in the chat box or the comment section or talk about it with other people. All right, you got 30 seconds. What is faith? Go. time. I can't wait to read some of those answers. All right. These past couple of weeks have been a transformative time for me in terms of my own image understanding of faith. Not necessarily on the particulars of my faith or the faith tradition of Christianity, but the much larger question of what is faith in general? You see, it had not occurred to me really to ponder the question of faith separate from all the world's religions. But now I see how limited that was. There's two main factors that have led to this reorientation around the subject of faith, a groundbreaking book and my own shifting awareness. Over the past few months, I have become profoundly, intimately aware of my mortalities in ways that I have not been connected to before. There was a spell there where I went to sleep and I woke up just like in my soul aware that death is how this ride ends. And thankfully this shift in awareness hasn't been scary or morbid. In fact, it's actually been really helpful. The way a magnifying glass intensifies the heat of the sun, I am finding greater sense of clarity about the questions that are worth asking and the life that is worth pursuing. I'd assumed that my death awareness was in large part due to living through a pandemic. So imagine my surprise when upon reading the first line of, Jason, of James Fowler's classic, Stages of Faith, I encountered these lines. 4 a.m. in the darkness of a cold winter morning. Suddenly, I am fully and frighteningly awake. I see it clearly. I'm going to die. I am going to die. In those lines, I saw myself, which was really weird because I had not intended to encounter myself at all in this book. I had picked it up primarily to help the family ministry to help the family ministry team think through curriculum and programming options for the children's and youth programs. And yet here I was having myself reflected back to me. It was a powerfully affirming moment that got my attention. Whatever this Fowler character was talking about, I was now listening. Read lots of children's and youth ministry books and you will see this book in the footnotes of many of them. What Fowler helped people to articulate and realize is that the enterprise of faith 
is about so much more than ascribing to any tenets of belief or about belonging to a particular religion. Faith is first and foremost the endeavor of every human to make life make sense. Fowler writes, we do not live by bread alone, sex alone, success alone, and certainly not by instinct alone. We require meaning. We need purpose and priorities. We must have some grasp on the big picture. He goes on to say, prior to our being religious or irreligious, before we come to think of ourselves as Catholics, Protestants, Jews, or Muslims, we are already engaged with issues of faith. Whether we become non-believer, agnostics, or atheists, we are concerned with how to put our lives together and with what will make life worth living. Moreover, we look for something to love that loves us, something to value that gives us value, something to honor and respect that has the power to sustain our being. This simple articulation that the innate human quest for meaning is itself faith and that faith is not exclusively the content that fills us in our longing for meaning, well, this realization has completely shifted the ground underneath my feet. Fowler has presented me with an entirely different question to ask about faith that I had not really asked before. The question before me now isn't whether you or I have faith, the question is, what do you and I fill our faith with? So friends, take a, take a few seconds now. What do you fill your faith with? For me, I fill my faith with the life of Jesus, with scriptures, with ritual, with a community of others who together though apart, place their trust in the words of Paul that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what's filling my faith. And because we need our faith filled, we turn again to the stories that have been so helpful in the past to those who are working on faith. Our scripture passage today is the well-known story of God making a covenant with Abram and Sarai to bless them and make them the father and mother of a multitude of nations. What takes place in the preceding chapter, the one we don't read before this one, is that God has gone and found Hagar in the wilderness and made promises to her that she will also be a mother of many nations. What you get in these parallel stories is God adapting to some changed circumstances. When God made that first promise to Abram to bless him and make him fruitful, Hagar wasn't a part of the initial plan. Not that we hear of. She became a part of God's plan the moment Abram and Sarai treated her as expendable. God does not take that lightly. 
God tends to Hagar and makes sure she gets her words of promise and hope before resuming business with Abram and Sarai. The people sharing these stories throughout the generations, they understood themselves to be descendants of Abram and Sarai. And yet they told this story over and over again in such a way that Hagar's promise came first. They somehow knew you don't get to covenant. You don't get to blessing until the marginalized, the expendable have gotten their blessing first. That doesn't take away from what God is doing with Abram and Sarai. In fact, it makes it more just, more honest. God had a plan. God shared the plan. Abram and Sarai messed up the plan. So God came back with a new plan, this time with a revised covenant. And today, about today's scripture passage, the commentaries all point out that Abram has already heard most parts of this promise before. So it's not new. It's a revision. And as a sign of this new revised covenant, God gives new names. Now at last, they are Abraham and Sarah. New names, new identities in light of a revised image of the future. It has taken me a really long time to realize that this pandemic is not a pause from my life. This pandemic is now a part of my life. Whatever images of my life that I had prior to this pandemic, they will all be informed, reshaped, and colored by the fact that I have pastored a year, parented a year, lived a year in a global pandemic that has claimed the lives of a half a million people in this country alone. When I consider the magnitude of what this year has meant on so many levels, it almost feels like a name change would be perfect, would just be so helpful to mark the significance. I now have more appreciation for God's renaming. It's a useful device. There's a pre-pandemic me and there will be a post-pandemic me, just as they, there will be a post-pandemic you and a pre-pandemic you. Certainly those two people are related and almost identical, but for sure they're not the same. And while I don't advocate a name change for all of us, I do think it's time for us to honor the shift, name it, to let go of what was and to embrace what will be as unclear and as uncertain as it might be. For if today's passage can teach us anything and to be clear, there are so many things we can learn. But today, let us take away that revision is the name of the game and if that and if revision is good enough for God, it is certainly good enough for you and me. Amen.